Good morning. And grace be to all of you from our God. Amen. It is a humbling experience for me to be here with all of you. And I thank you for this opportunity, and especially um, Elder Afif, who made the invitation for me to be here with all of you. So thank you so much. I am very pleased and very humbled to be here. Um, our elder here, Luis. Elvis. Elvis. Sorry, he shared a little bit about my testimony. And we, when we were in the back, he asked me if I could share a little bit. So I was planning to do a little short story to introduce um, the, the study of the word today. But you know, when the spirit's leading in a certain way, we just gotta submit to it. So obviously the Lord wants me to share a little bit of my testimony with all of you today. And yes, I came to how I came to love Jesus Christ, for I love him. He knows that I do. I love him with all of my heart, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. That is my desire every day. So eight years ago, I was 27 years old. I'll, you can add up the numbers, and now you know my age. But it's okay. I'm not ashamed. Um, I, grew up, I grew up Catholic. I did all of the things small children do in the Catholic Church, my my first communion, confirmation, and all of that. But in my teenage years, I somehow decided that there was no God, and if there was a God, he was not interested in me, so I sort of became an atheist until I was 27 years old, eight years ago, when I decided to take a tour, a trip, a vacation trip to Mexico. And while I was in Mexico, I went to visit the Mayan ruins called Chichen Itza, and while I was there, I was persuaded somehow in nature, I was persuaded that there is something bigger than me. And that thing bigger than me, I came back home believing that it was a God, but I did not know which God. So I went into a search of the God that I discerned in nature. I didn't go straight to Christianity, even though I had been raised Catholic and had heard about God and saints and Jesus. But I didn't really know because I didn't study the Bible as a Catholic young girl. So I began to search for God. And I started reading about Buddhism. So halfway through reading a book, I, I, I just was persuaded that it was nonsense what I was reading. It made no sense. This was not the God that I saw in nature, definitely not. So I went into to read about other of the Eastern religions when eventually I ended up in Christianity and in the Bible, and you, and you just cannot deny the power of the Word of God Amen. when it grabs your heart. So my father, who had become a Seventh-day Adventist before, four years before me, so that was in 2008 that I became a Christian. My dad, four years before that, so that's 2004. 2004 was when I, when I came back from service. I was in the military in the U.S. Army Reserve and served for eight years and I ended up going to Iraq. So I spent a year in Iraq, and my dad, while I was there, made a, made a pact with God. He said, if you bring my daughter back alive, I will submit to you and give you my life. So in the time that my dad did that, it was probably sometime around October 2003, everything began to get really difficult for me in Iraq. It was like the enemy went on a all-out war to make sure that I didn't come back home alive after my dad had made that, that agreement with God. 
that you bring my daughter back alive and I am all yours. So a lot of things happen. Um, I am here standing before you alive as a testimony of what God did. Even though I wasn't a Christian, but my dad's church and him, they were all praying for me. And eventually I came home in 2004 and then my dad, shortly right after, was baptized and I was present at his baptism. I was there. I didn't believe in God at the time. I could care less about Jesus, the same man I just said I love so much, right? So I, I went to his baptism, but it didn't mean anything to me because he grew up Catholic too, so I knew he had been baptized as a little child. So I, I didn't understand why he was doing it as an adult now. Um, but four years later, I understood, right? So after my dad was baptized, I never again went back to his church. I didn't visit it again until four years after. That summer, exactly four years. So they were starting an evangelistic meeting, and I got to attend just the first night on a Sunday. And it was about Daniel and Revelation. Um, it was a professor from the university in the Dominican Republic, uh, the, the Adventist University in the Dominican Republic. They brought him to do a series on Daniel and Revelation. So I was able to only be there for the first night because I was living in New York City, so I, went, I needed to go back to work. So I listened to it, and something, was, something captivated me. It was like the Holy Spirit finally found a way in my heart and my mind and it just captivated me, what the man was saying, what the professor was saying. Now, I cannot recall what he was saying. I do not know. But something that he said triggered in me a desire to want to learn more about what he was talking about. So when the meeting was over that night, I told my dad that I was very interested in learning more about what he was talking. So my dad gave me a book that was written by a professor at Andrews University from the seminary. Uh, Dr. Russell Burrow. It's called Hope When the World Falls Apart, and it's based on the book of Daniel and Revelation. So I took this book home with me, and I didn't begin to read it from the first chapter. I just went through the content, the page, and, and I just picked whatever chapter the title said something to me, spoke to me. So I read Eventually, I read a chapter that said that um, the only one that can fill that void, that emptiness, that desire for something to be happy, that only one that can fill that is Jesus Christ, that we can only find true happiness in Jesus Christ. So this was all speaking to me because, remember, I was already in a search for God. I was questioning a lot of things about life, the meaning and purpose of life. I, wasn't, I was at a point in my life where I was not happy. So hearing that, that I could find happiness in Jesus, reading it in a book, I put the book down and I said, well, if the, if the Bible is what I need to be reading, then what am I doing reading this book? So I stopped reading the book. And to this day, I still keep saying, I haven't read the whole book. I do not know what it says. But God used those few chapters to bring me to this beautiful book. So I started Instead of beginning with the beginning in Genesis, I went straight to the New Testament, the book, the Gospel according to Matthew, and I began to read that. And on that same day I began to read it, it took me all day. Now, this was my first time as a grown woman actually reading the Bible. So to read the whole book in one day, 
it's sort of a big thing for, for someone who's not used to reading the word. So I read the book of Matthew, and by the time I got to the crucifixion, I was completely persuaded that I, what I was reading was true. I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. How he did it, I do not know how he, how he changes our heart and mind that, so that we accept what we're reading, and I did. And so my response to what I was reading was, guess what? I cry. I got on my knees and I cry and cry and cry. And all I could say was, Lord, I am so sorry. I did not know you. For I had said many bad things about Jesus and I wanted nothing to do with him. But I just kept saying, Lord, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I didn't know you. And from that moment on, he, he just captivated my heart to this day. And even through all the hardships, he keeps me there. So in a nutshell, that's my story. There's a lot more to it. But, you know, it's interesting because the Holy Spirit had convicted me yesterday that I should share my testimony. But because I had already planned to do another story, a short story to introduce the topic today, I, I dismissed the thought. But then in the back room, he, he, he asked me to share a little bit about my testimony. And I was like, you know what, Lord? This comes from you. It's the second time. I need to share. So because this, really the main story here in my testimony is the word of God. And that is precisely what I'm going to speak with, with you to, today about the word of God. Um, we, we, I'm sh I don't know your story, but I'm sure God knows. And many of you may be recent Christians like me or you have been Christians all your life, Seventh-day Adventists, and you know this, you know the Bible, you know this book maybe very well, you know most of the stories, but sometimes we can get so complacent and, and feel that we, because I grew up knowing this, what's written here, I already know it. I don't really need to go into diligent study of God's Word or in-depth study of it, so that we kind of neglect it. So my, my method, not my message, God's message for us, including myself, for I do not stand here before you as someone who is very faithful in studying the Bible every day. I, I confess my sin and I have repented. So the message is for me also. Um, but let's go to 2 Kings chapter 22 because there's a story here in which the people of God have neglected something very important. So let's go there. And we're going to read the whole chapter. It's 20 verses, but don't get scared. I will read some portions of it, and you guys will read another part of it. Um, when I'm done reading from verse 1 through 7, I would, verses 8 through 13 will be projected, and I would like for all of you to read it together out loud. And then I will read verse 14, and then again you guys will read verse 15 through 20, and that would be the whole chapter. So, 2 Kings chapter 22, verses 1 through 20. It says, I am reading from the New King James Version. Josiah was eight years old when, the, when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Jedidah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscoth. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in all, the way, in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right or to the left. 
Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan the scribe, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of those doing the work, who are the overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work, to repair the damages of the house, to carpenters, builders, and masons, and to, and to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. However, there need not be accounting made with them of the money delivered into their hand because they deal faithfully. So I would like you guys to all read together. So Hilkiah the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to Hilda the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikbah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She dwelt in the second in Jerusalem in the second quarter, and they spoke with her. Now your turn to read back.
to read God's word completely more during our worship services. But let's now do a, a, a brief survey of this whole chapter of here in 2 Kings chapter 22. What, what is the story here? What, what's happening in this story? Josiah becomes king when he was just eight years old, and he reigns for 31 years. What's important about his reign and his character? He, exactly. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And that's something very special because if you read Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles, you will see that king after king, they did what was wrong in the sight of the Lord or they did what was wicked in the sight of the Lord. But Josiah is different, just like Hezekiah, because they sought to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. But something happened during his 18th year. What happened during Josiah, King Josiah's 18th year? Well, he sent Shaphan the scribe to the house of the Lord. He told Shaphan to tell Hilkiah the high priest to count the money which the people have brought into the house of the Lord. Now, you may wonder, what money was that? I think today we will call that tithe and offering, right? That's the money that he sent to count. And he, King Josiah, instructed that the money be delivered to those who were doing the work of repairing the damages in the house of the Lord. So while Shaphan comes to Hilkiah, he tells him something. What does he tell Shaphan, the scribe? Hilkiah, the high priest, tells Shaphan, the scribe, that he found the book of the Lord. Did you guys hear me? He found the book of the Lord. What? This is shocking. Can you see why this is shocking? What can we understand from just this one expression? That he found the book of the law. It had been lost. And so this, imagine this for a moment. The high priest went into the house of the Lord and he found the book of the law. Something is wrong here, don't you see? Do you guys see it? If he found it, it means it was lost, like you guys said. So why would the book of the law be lost? Why would the Bible all of a sudden be lost? Something happened, right? Something happened. It means, to me, it tells me that they have stopped reading the, the book of the law. And you know, the book of the law in, in, in the Hebrew scripture, it's the first five books of, the, of our Bible, which they call the Torah, the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books in which that's what they agree with God, that they will keep all of it, and that was the covenant. So they were supposed to meditate on it day and night. Do you remember what Joshua, verse eight, Joshua 1, verse 8 says? i like you to go there with me. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This is what the Lord tells Joshua when he is pretty much installing him as the leader of Israel now. This book of the law shall not, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your 
your way prosperous, and you will have good success. So the Lord is telling Joshua, this book of the law, I expect you to meditate on it day and night so that you will be prosperous and successful in everything you do. So God is telling Joshua, in order for you to be the best leader that I can have you be, is to meditate on my word day and night. So if it was lost from the time of Joshua to the time of King Josiah, the book of the law has been lost. So that tells us that they were not, at some point, they had stopped meditating on the book of the law, on God's word day and night. This is very sad. And that is why we see in the Bible all these things that come up upon Jerusalem. But I, what, I like to bring emphasis to what Shaphan the scribe does. What does he do when he receives the book of the law from Hilkiah? Yeah, he takes the book of the law and he reads it right away because the high priest is an important person and he's given it to him. So he takes it and reads it right away. So, and, and he reads, Shaphan reads the word and then he takes it to King Josiah. But what I want to make, I want to make an emphasis here on what King Josiah's response is to God's word. So in verses 11 through 19, we can see what his response is. So he tore his clothes. He commanded to go and inquire of the Lord for him and for the people of Judah concerning the words of the book of the law. He sent to the prophetess Hilda. His heart was tender. He humbled himself before the Lord and... I like this part because he's a man. And he wept before the Lord. I would have loved to see that. So this is the response we see King Josiah as he learns of all the words of the book of the law. And he realizes their wrongdoing. He responds to God this way. But what is the Lord's response to King Josiah's actions now? We see in, in verse 19, that the Lord heard King Josiah, and he had mercy on him. Josiah will not get to see the calamity that will come upon Jerusalem. And if you keep reading chapter 23 to 24, that's when we have King Nebuchadnezzar come and do the three different times when he came to Jerusalem and besieged it and finally took them captive to Babylon. So God had mercy on him. But I want to ask, what was so wrong with the people of Judah that the Lord was going to bring all of this calamity upon them? What do you think is so wrong? What was it that they did that was so wrong? And we find the answer in verse 17. They forsook, they have forsaken the Lord. That means that they abandoned the Lord in his covenant, which is written in the book of the law. Basically, they stopped reading and diligently studying and meditating on the words of the book of the law. They did not obey the words of the book of the law, and they worship other gods and burnt incense to them. The exact words are, they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. What do you imagine came first? 
Did they abandon the Lord first, or did they abandon the book of the law first? What do you think happened first? Yes. I like to propose to you that the first step in forsaking the Lord was that they abandoned the book of the law. They stopped reading and obeying its word. They neglected to study the Bible. Most likely, it didn't happen overnight. It, it happened gradually. They neglected studying the word one day here, one day there. Sounds familiar, right? So, I mean, some of us, maybe not all of you, but some of us have been there and we neglect God, studying God's word today. Oh, I'll catch up in the evening. Oh, then the evening comes and you're too tired. See, it happens gradually. So what is the natural thing that happens when we neglect to diligently study God's word? What do you think is the natural thing that follows after that? I hear, I hear come. Stop praying, right? Basically, we begin to neglect our relationship with God, our relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what began to happen with the people of Israel, with Judah in this particular instance, because by now the, um, the other 11 tribes had already been taken captive to Assyria by the Assyrians. So when we neglect our study of God's word, the, the natural thing that happens is that we Neglect, begin to neglect our relationship with God, with Jesus. We may not pray as often, or we may say a quick little prayer, sort of like a peace God, as if he needed to be a peace. Um, and then we neglect singing praises to him. We neglect um, giving thanks to him for the things, the blessings in our life. We begin to take credit for them. It's my hard work. It's my talent. Um, and then, sadly, we begin to stop coming to church. Or we may still come to church, but it's just a tradition, a formality, just sort of going through the motions is what I do every Sabbath. I grew up doing it, so I just keep doing it. But we basically stop seeking to worship the Lord. And you know, I recently came to really understand what the word worship means. It's an attitude of the heart, of your heart and my heart, to give all honor and to surrender and, and to trust God. So when we neglect the study of the word, we begin to neglect our relationship with Jesus. And that is our, our connection to eternal life. For remember what he says, you are to abide in him. And without him, we lose our life. But the good news is you don't have to despair. There is good news. The good news is that though we may neglect our relationship with God by not diligently studying his word, praying, seeking to truly worship him, we can at any, at any given moment do an about faith. You know what's an about faith? It's a military term, and you basically stand and do this. You can't really do it with heels. But did you see what I did? I was facing this direction, about face. I turned and went into a, the opposite direction. So do not despair. If you, like me, and maybe some of us, have neglected to study God's word, we can at any moment turn around and repent. Repent from this 
not so good behavior. We can turn around our behaviors and attitudes toward God. We can do as King Josiah did. And I would like to one more time briefly review Josiah's response. This is why I, I had you guys read out loud certain parts of this chapter because they have to do with our response to God and God's response to us. So the first thing King Josiah did was he tore his clothes. Can you imagine this? When I first read this in my mind, I thought he took his clothes off in front of everybody and was naked there. No, that's not what it means. Tearing your clothes off in the Old Testament culture, what it means is to express sorrow and lament. By tearing his clothes, King Josiah expressed repentance for their wrongdoing. He was expressing remorse to God, to the Lord, for their disobedience in not following the word. We too can repent. Then the second thing he does is that he sends to inquire of the Lord through the prophetess, Hilda, and he sent to ask the Lord. We too can do that. How, do, how can we send and ask the Lord? Prayer. And I want to make a parenthesis here. I want to pause for a moment because, you know, I, I will assume that most of us here are seven-day Adventists, right? And we have... Um, a belief, an understanding, a doctrine about the heavenly sanctuary and the ministry of Christ there. And, you know, in the Old Testament times, when they wanted to inquire of the Lord, they would go through a prophet, whether a woman or a man. But because now we have such a great high priest, we have direct access to the throne in heaven through prayer with the help of the Holy Spirit. So unlike King Josiah, all we need to do is direct our minds and thought to God or get on our knees or stop what we're doing and we can ask God to help us. And then the, the third thing King Josiah did was he humbled himself before the Lord. That means he recognized his need of the Lord, his need of God in our time our need of Jesus. We too need to recognize our need of Jesus in our life. He himself said, without me, you can do nothing. So how can we, how can we do an about face, do a turnaround? We, we tear our clothes in a, figure, in a figurative way and we seek the Lord. We humble ourselves before him and ask for help. And my final question today is, what was the Lord's response to King Josiah? And we see that in verse 20. The Lord heard King Josiah and accepted his, his repentance and showed him mercy. We too can receive from God if we repent, humble ourselves before God and seek him with all our heart, with all our mind and all our strength through prayer and diligent Bible study. I want to make an invitation to all of, all of you, and even myself included, an invitation from our Lord Jesus Christ to diligently seek to study his word every day. Know its content, what it actually says, its meaning. It is necessary to do more than simple devotional reading of the Bible. 
It is also imperative to begin with the book of Genesis and study it over and over until you know what it says by heart, asking God to allow his word to do its work of transforming you as you study. See, because in our modern days, we are so busy with life, it's so, it's so easy to just do a short devotional, 10, 15 minutes in the morning, and we think that we have been fully fed with the word. That's good. If you're doing it, don't stop doing it. But that's just like having dessert. Don't you want to have the whole meal? I mean, I like to have the whole meal. My rice and beans, I love them. <laughs> so we need to do real diligent Bible study. And I mean the kind of Bible study where you take a book of the Bible, and that's why I suggest Genesis, and you study it and read it over and over again until you understand the content, what it says, and the themes in this book. And then when you have completely understood what Genesis is saying, what God is telling us, move on to the next book and then to the next book until eventually you will end at the book of Revelation. And Revelation is a revelation from our Lord Jesus Christ to us. And once you have really diligently studied the Old Testament, you will see that in order to really understand Revelation, you need to understand what's happening in the Old Testament. Because out of all the books in the New Testament, I just recently learned it has over 300 allusions to the Old Testament. That's a lot. That means 75% of the book of Revelation is completely based on the Old Testament. Of course, there, there, some of it is symbolic. Some, this, the, what it's saying, it's real but it's saying it in symbols. So when I talk about Bible study, I'm not talking about the simple devotional 10, 15 minutes in the morning or at night or in your break at work. I mean diligent Bible study where we are, you know, precept upon precept like the hymn was saying and studying and comparing it. And even don't be afraid to investigate our beliefs because you know what will happen if you are faithful to the Bible, to what it says? You will be fully persuaded of your faith. Seventh-day Adventists, we have truly Bible truth, and it's all biblically based. And if you are faithful to the text, you will find that. I want to end by reminding you of something that is written in the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. I'd like you all to go there with me, and so we can read it together. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16. And it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all point tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I see four things here about Jesus in this text. He's our high priest. 
And you know what that means, that he's our high priest. He's, he is still continuing the work of saving us in heaven. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. Do you know how good it feels to know that someone can sympathize with your hurt, with your pain, with your suffering, with your weakness? That I find so much comfort every time I read this. And this to me is beautiful. We can come, we can come, we can go boldly, says the writer of Hebrew, Paul, um, to the throne of grace. Where is the throne of grace? Do you remember in the earthly sanctuary what represented the throne of grace? What well, was in the most holy place, right? And it had the book of the law and the Ten Commandments. So now we can boldly go, says here, to him in heaven. How do we do this? Through prayer. And we can obtain from him, this is the fourth thing, we can obtain mercy and find grace for, for help in time of need. If you have been a bit of a sinner like myself and have neglected to diligently study God's word. Now, I'll, I'll clarify again. I don't mean devotional reading of God's word. I mean diligent Bible study where you're really seeking to understand the content and its meaning and its application for your life, our life today. If you have been like me and done that, well, take to heart what what it says here in Hebrew. We can come boldly to him with a repentant heart and he will show us mercy and, and, and we will find grace. Just like King Josiah found mercy when he repented and came to the Lord and the Lord allowed him not to have to live through the captivity because it was done about two kings after him. One of them didn't last very long. But if you have neglected in a similar manner like the Jews and have forsaken the Lord by neglecting to diligently study the word, the Bible, we can repent, humble ourselves before God and ask him for help. So in light of this, I would like to, instead of having a call to hear to the from those who want to commit themselves to study God's word. I'd like to give you the opportunity to respond to God this moment. And I would like to invite you to, to kneel and pray to God and say whatever you need to say to him in response to what you have heard. And then after we pray, we will sing hymn 277, which is titled, For Your Holy Book, We Thank You. But before we pray, I would, like you, I would like to read to you the words of this hymn because when I read it, my heart was moved because it's so beautiful. For your holy book, we thank you and for all who serve you well, writing, guarding, and translating that its pages my forth tell your strong love and tender care for your people everywhere. For your holy book, we thank you and for those who work today that the people of all nations reading it shall following may know your love and tender care for your people everywhere. For your book, we thank you. For your holy book, we thank you. May its message be our God. May we understand the wisdom of the law it will provide and your love and tender care for your people everywhere. For your holy book, we thank you. May its message in our hearts Lead us now to see in Jesus all the grace your word imparts. 
all your love and tender care for your people everywhere. And I would like to give you the opportunity to respond to God in prayer. And I would like you to do that kneeling because that's, that's a way of worship. I see kneeling as a way of worship to God, acknowledging that he is my God. Um, and then we will stand up and sing this hymn. And you'll know when to stop praying because then I, I will pray a short prayer for all of us. So I invite you to kneel. My Heavenly Father, this woman, I thank you for your word and for you, for your amazing grace with each one of us, Father. We have now responded to you and confessed our, our wrongdoing, our disobedience, and not being faithful to knowing what you're trying to say to us, Father. We repent and we ask your forgiveness and we come to you knowing that you love us and will help us, for you are more than willing to help us, Father. And so please come into our heart, into our minds, and change us and help us to put a desire in our hearts to know your word and to really, really know it, that we, that we may give people an account of our faith, why we believe what we believe and why we think about you the way we think about you, Father. So thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do for all of us. And most of all, thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>